The Student Ministry Podcast you're about to hear is a sermon preached at the 2011 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp by Pastor Dave Delaney. Pastor Delaney pastors the Shawnee Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. Matthew chapter 5 is a very interesting passage. It's the longest recorded sermon that we have from our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think it's the longest sermon he preached. It's just the longest one we have recorded for us in Scripture. And there's some very life-changing things that he says in this passage. But probably probably none so life-altering and life-changing as the first 12 verses of Scripture. Here in Matthew chapter 5. Where he really sets the bar for what God expects from those who are going to follow after him. He sets the bar for his disciples, those, those inner core, those 12. You could stretch it out maybe and it could be 120 perhaps. But those people who say, I want something more from this life than what everybody else is getting. Is that you? Is that you? And so Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This passage is written to the person who is interested in living the authentic Christian life. I mean the Christian life that's the real deal. The Christian life that isn't a fake, that isn't a fraud. That you know what you have and you know it's real. And nobody, no one, nothing can rob it, can take it away, can steal it away from you. You know what you possess and you hold it close. This passage is written to those who are interested in living, in, in living the Christian life with some sort of quality. Not just quantity but with quality, with some substance, with some meat on its bones. There's, there's something to back it up with. You know, there's a, there's a big difference in quality and quantity. Do you know that? There's a 
huge difference between something that is good and right and something that's just a whole lot of it, right? We are a society, we are a culture that is given over to quantity as opposed to quality. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. You go to McDonald's and what do you order? You order the biggest drink they have, don't you? So do I. I don't want just the super size. I want the extra super size. I want that thing that looks like you could carry around a chicken in it. It's a bucket that's this big. And I want you to fill it with as much sweet tea as you possibly can. Because I want to chug a lug it even though I don't need it. Right? They serve a 20-piece chicken nugget meal now. How many of you guys could handle one of those 20-piece chicken nuggets? See, and look all over the room. Some girls are raising their hands. Holy cow. Yeah, that's incredible. God bless you, sister. A 20. Who needs 20 chicken McNuggets? Who, those, listen, those aren't even chicken. You're not even eating chicken. It's just a nugget. That's all you're eating. But people by the droves line up and eat these 20-piece chicken nuggets. Why? Because we want more. Because we are a society where quantity matters much more than quality matters. My, my little brother and I, we were growing up and we were, we were having this 4th of July celebration in our backyard. And we went and, and we needed to buy these fireworks. And so we, we, we found this gas station. And it had a tent in the, lot, in, the, in the parking lot of the gas station. And it had all these signs surrounding the tent. And the signs said, buy one, get two free. Now, that's a steal. Okay? Somebody who is only going to make you pay for one thing, but give you three of them, they are out of their mind. And so, I'm thinking, dude, that's a deal. Come on, and me and my little brother, he's probably in eighth grade at the time, I was probably in eleventh grade at the time, and we decide we're going to go and get these fireworks. We walk up to this tent, and there's, there are these two very large hillbilly bumpkins sitting on the opposite side of all of this gunpowder. And they're, when I say hillbilly bumpkins, I mean, they are wearing nothing but the overalls and nothing underneath. I mean, it's, it's all just there. They're sitting there. They're chomping down all this food, chicken gizzards and chicken livers and sweet teas and Mountain Dew. And man, they're just, they're just trying to sell fireworks to the community. And we walk up and say, man, I need to get some fireworks. And he goes, mine is unbelievable. You can get, you can get two of them if you, if you get two free, if you buy one. Are you kidding me? No, man, this ain't not a joke. Okay. I look down and they got these little, these little black cats. You've seen these kind of little fireworks, these little black cats. And you buy one black cat, you get, you get two free. That's okay, but I don't want just three black cats. And so we go over and we get to these bottle rockets. Buy one bottle rocket, you get two bottle rockets free. I mean, that's cool, and, and I'm glad he's going to give me that, but I want more. I want some substance to what I'm going to buy. And I asked the guy, I said, do you have anything bigger? I mean, I need some kind of big package fireworks. I mean, I need the biggest thing you have. And he goes, oh, 
come over here. Now normally, when a man in overalls would say that to me, I would run as fast as I could in the other direction for fear of my own life. We walk around the side of the tent, and in the back of the tent, he's got this package of fireworks, and across the top of the package reads, The Grand Daddy. Now we're talking. I mean, this is not just the daddy. It's the grand daddy. Okay? That that's far surpasses just the daddy. This is the grand. And I looked at him and I said, are you telling me I can buy one the granddaddy and I get two the granddaddies free? And he goes, yep. How much? Right now, how much? Well, my firstborn son, what do you want? And man, I pay for this thing. I get these three granddaddies and I take him in my backyard and we start letting him off. Those were the cheapest, cheesiest set of fireworks I've ever seen in my life. They had, they had these things that they just shoot 50 feet in the air. We light it, just like right there. This one promises it, promises it will light the entire sky. It's like, the smoke didn't even come up to my chest. There are these little, like, tanks. You're supposed to light the end of these things, and these tanks are supposed to ignite out the back and shh, fire, boom, and blow up. They didn't, they didn't do that. You, just, you light the back, and they just smoked. They didn't even do anything. They just smoked all the way down. That's a waste of, what is going on? I got suckered into buying the granddaddy, which happened to have lost his teeth, he's lost his memory, and he's wearing a diaper. That's how bad this granddaddy is. We get all the way down to the very last ones, and there, there are these ones that twist and they spin. You light these things, and they go, and then it shoots up there. And they promise on the package that they shoot 36 feet into the air. Do you want to guess how high they shot? Okay, like maybe six feet, maybe six feet. You like these things, and they turn green and purple and pink, and and they shoot up, and they stop about right there, and then they, you're kidding me. My little brother, Tim, he was, I mean, I don't know how many fireworks for the tanner we went through, but my little brother, Tim, was sitting over on the grass by our bushes up next to our porch, and he's, his hands are up on his knees like this, and his shorts were, were hanging down on the ground, and me and my older brother are over here and we're lighting off the very last one that goes 36 feet into the air. And we light this thing off and, and, and it's turning green. And as it begins to spin, it falls onto its side. And is aiming directly at my little brother Tim, who is safely away because this is not going farther than six feet and he's sitting there on the ground. But wouldn't you stinking know it that that one, that one actually went 36 feet right into my brother's shorts. He's sitting here, right here, and it goes, and it sits his sides and it goes, right, uh, right into his, his loins. That's the Bible word. 
his loins. And it doesn't just shoot into his loins and then come out the other side. It shoots into his loins and stays. And his shorts catch on fire. So his loins are burning. They're, they're on, it better to marry than to burn. That's what, that's what the Bible would say in that situation. And he is literally, his, his loins are burning. And like a good, kind-hearted big brother, I'm going, ah, ha, 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 ah, your shorts are on fire. My little brother won't go near a firework to this day. Every time he does, he's, ugh. You know, there's, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between quantity and quality. You know, you know what we've convinced ourselves of? Look at me, please. You know what we've convinced ourselves of is we've convinced ourselves that good enough in the Christian life is just good enough. And it's not. What we've done is we've sold quality in our Christian experience and in our Christian living and in our Christian life, we've sold it down the river. And we've said things like, well, I went to church, isn't that good enough? Well, I read my Bible, isn't that good enough? Well, I went to camp. Isn't that good enough? Not if you're after quality, it's not. You see, the thing about a quality-filled Christian life is quality, and when you are in search of quality, there is never a finish line. Good enough is never just good enough. We've been blessed in our church. We have several of the University of Louisville athletes who attend our services, about 20 of them or so. They come to our service, and I'm talking about some very high-profile athletes. Some of the basketball boys got to meet a few of them when they were in town, and the Lord's blessed our ministry with that. Why? I have no idea, but here's what every one of these men have. One of the guys was in church on Wednesday, on Sunday night, uh, 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 Rodney. He's headed over to the Washington Redskins to play football. Bilal Powell headed up to the Jets. ESPN did a special on Bilal, said that Bilal's the future of the Jets. Bilal Powell was saved and baptized in our church just a few months back. You know what I found out about all these guys? Good enough and good enough. They're, they're not happy to be just this mediocre athlete. They're, they want to be the best. I mean, the absolute best that they can. They watch everything that goes into their mouth. I go out to eat and I'm ordering up an extra steak burger from Steak and Shake and put the extra whipped cream in my, in, my, in my shake and bring that over and put the extra chili on the cheese on the fries and bring that in because I want to eat that because it's really good. And these guys are looking at me like, dude, you are going to blow up like a balloon one day. They're eating salads. They're very, why? Because, because there's, a certain, there's a certain quality that they're after. Why can an athlete understand that there's quality to what he does, but we can't understand as Christians that there should be a quality to what we do? 
That's what Matthew chapter number 5 says. Matthew chapter 5 is all about a quality Christianity. About having a Christian life that has some substance to it. That has some meat on its bones. That you mean who you say you are. That your life backs it up. That's what, that's what this passage is all about. It's set on the hillside next to the Sea of Galilee. It's not really a sea. We would call it a lake. The Sea of Galilee is 14 miles long. It's about 7 miles wide. Not very deep. There's a gentle slope that leads down to the sea. Some of you who've been to Israel, you, you understand what I'm talking about. There's a gentle slope that leads down to the sea. And there, Jesus makes his way out of the town and he kind of winds down toward the brink of the, of, of the Sea of Galilee, this little lake there. And he stands and he turns around and he calls his disciples, these 12 or, or let's, let's say it's 120. He calls them to himself. And he says, I want, I want to tell you about what it means to have a quality Christian life. Can I show you it? Three things. First of all, there is the master teacher. Verse number one, in seeing the multitudes, he... Who's that, who's that he? Well, you got to go back up into chapter 4 and you look at verse number 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing in all manners of sickness and in all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And so Jesus comes into Galilee and he starts teaching and he starts preaching and he starts, and he starts proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He starts healing the sick and he's, he's healing the blind and he's raising the dead and he's touching the lame and he's, he's performing these miracles and his fame is beginning to grow. And so there's all of this crowd that begins to follow Jesus and his teachings. Jesus' teachings are so different from everybody else in those days. You see, the rabbi, that's what they were called. The rabbis in those days had a certain style of which they taught. They didn't do this kind of stuff. They didn't have silly games. There were no kind of illustrations. We don't get that until we get to Jesus and the parables. There's no sorts of illustrations or anything. They, they, would, they would teach through the law. The average Jewish boy by the age of 10 had the entire first five books of the Bible memorized. What are the first five books of the Bible? Go. Genesis. Right there. By the time you were 10 years old, you'd have had all of that memorized. And you think learning one or two verses is bad. So they memorized all of these verses, 636 exactly, 636 Mosaic laws. 
that the laws of Moses that, that, that they gave to the children of Israel, 636 of these laws, and they memorized them. And these rabbis would come in, and you would say that you would want to be a disciple, so come with me. And you want to be one of my disciples, so come with me. And you want to be one of my disciples, okay, so come with me. And so they would leave everything. They Come on, come on, come on, come on. They would leave everything they had, and they would follow. They would follow after their rabbi. That's where, stop, that's where, that's where Jesus says to them, he says, leave your nets and come and follow me. That wasn't, this is what they did. That's not, that's not something special that Jesus did. That's what everybody did in those days if you were going to follow a rabbi. And so they start following this rabbi, and he would take him, and then he'd come, and they'd get to a certain spot, and he'd go, okay, now you all go find this food, and then, okay, come on, let's come on. And then, and then the rabbi would sit down, and the disciple, don't you even think about it, the disciple would stand and the rabbi would teach the 636 Mosaic laws to his disciples and how he thought they should be interpreted. If, that, if that's not bad enough, that you have 636 things that you have to remember what I tell you exactly they're going to do. If that's not bad enough, they created this book. This book was called the Talmud. The Talmud was a commentary on the 636 laws. So you take the first five books of the Bible, and then on top of that, you add the Talmud, which was this commentary. So you're talking four or five verses per one verse in the Old Testament. And so then I'd put that on you, and I'd put that on you, and I'd put that on you, and you'd have to memorize that. And all the while, come on, all the while, you're following me everywhere we go. And then we get to someplace else, we'd stop. And I'd sit down for a little bit, and I would teach you a little bit more about the, the, uh, the Torah, the law, the first five books, the Talmud. And then, not just that, they didn't stop there. Then they invented this book called the Mishnah. The Mishnah. The Mishnah was a commentary on the Talmud, which was a commentary on the Torah. And they would all have to memorize this stuff. And you can imagine how dry and dull and boring and laborsome and dusty all of that would become. Thanks. Sit down. And Jesus shows up and he can't do any of that. Jesus shows up and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus shows up and says, blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about all these, what about all these, these rules in the Talmud? What about all these rules in the Mishnah? What about all these? Uh, blessed, blessed are the persecuted. Stop, stop just long enough tonight and imagine what it would have been like to listen to Jesus teach. You find yourself a little envious of not being able to actually hear him. Do you want to know what he would say? If Jesus were here tonight, do you want to know what he would tell you? It would sound something like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It, it sounds something uh, uh, pretty familiar to, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure, the pure in heart. 
You see, Jesus Christ doesn't show up and teach us bodily, but we have everything he wants us to know, and it's all laid out for you right here, friend. In that book you hold in your lap. Quality Christianity starts in listening to the words of God. Can you write that down? Quality Christianity starts by listening to the words of God. Let me ask you, friend, who's teaching you? Who are you listening to? I mean, if you, if you want the same type of living and life that everybody else has, then listen to who everybody else listens to. But if you want something different, if you want something filled with quality, if you want something with some substance and meat on its bones, then I tell you who you ought to listen to. You ought to listen to the very words of God. They're found right here in this book. Fall in love with the teachings of the word of God. There's not just the master teacher, there are the multitudes that were taught. You read back in chapter 4, it says that everywhere he went, his fame there, verse 24, his fame was, 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 uh, went throughout all of Syria, and they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were, uh, which were lunatic, and those which had the palsy, and he healed them, and there followed him, listen, a great multitude of people from Galilee, and from uh, Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So there's this huge gathering, this, this great following of people. And then look what he does. And he went up into a mountain and he called unto him his disciples. You know what that tells me? It tells me that there's a whole lot of people who listen, but there's very few people who get taught. That's number two, the multitudes that were taught. There's a whole lot of people that listen, but there's very few people who get taught. What would you come to camp for this week? You come to camp because your youth pastor told you it would be fun? You come to camp because mom and dad made you? You come to camp because if you didn't, then somebody would be showing up at your door and they'd be knocking on it saying, why'd you miss camp? Why'd you miss camp? Did you come to camp so we can play the pranks on all the little junior hires later? Is that what, I mean, is that it? Or did you come to, did you come to camp to get taught something from the word of God? That's the difference between the kid who will walk away from camp with a quality to their camp experience and the young adult here that will walk away and go, check, another week of camp. That makes six years in a row. Did you come wanting to actually learn something? The multitudes that were taught, and then last, and we'll be done. 
there's this miraculous transformation. The Bible reads, and he opened his mouth and taught them. And here's what you say. You say, Pastor Dave, what, what was the point? Why, 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 teach, why teach all that? Why, why teach them all those things? Can I, can I show you why? It's, it's Matthew chapter 6. Flip over a page. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. Here's the whole point. Why, why come and listen to the word of God? Why, why apply the word of God to my heart and life? Why listen? Why, why learn? Why get taught something? Why? Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. Look, be not ye therefore like unto them. Underline that phrase. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Why, why, why add all these things to my life? Why listen to the preaching? Why make decisions? Why take a stand? Why, why surrender my life to God's will? Why? I'll tell you why. So you'll be different from everyone else. That's why. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be something different about you than every other kid in your school. There's supposed to be something different about you than every other kid in America. There's supposed to be something different. They're supposed to look at you and go, man, I don't know what it is about her, but there's, there's just something about her. There's just something about him that's just different than everybody else. That doesn't make you better. It doesn't make me better. It makes him better. It makes his word more meaningful. It makes his death. It makes his death more practical in your life and in mine. You're supposed to be different. You know, Brother Chapel, I think really what irks me the most is when I find a kid or a teenager or a young adult who, who says, I just don't want to be different. You're missing the point. The point is, the point is to be different. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Be not like unto them. Who's the them? The multitudes. So, so can you picture it? Can you see it? There's this huge crowd in Galilee that's followed after Christ as he's walked through the town. He's performed these miracles. So there's this huge gathering, thousands of people. And Jesus calls his, his disciples in. These 12 are on the very front, and then these 120 are right behind them. And he gathers them in, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the persecuted, blessed are, and blessed are, and blessed are. And they're all looking at Jesus, and he, and he says, Why are all those people blessed? And he listen, because they're different. Because they're different than everybody else. How different are you? Look at me. How different are you? 
Jared Swapshire, he'll play in the NBA in two years. Walks in my house, and when he does, he has to, he has to duck to get in the door. You think I'm joking? He's, the dude is a monster. Then he's got this afro that stands up about four inches off the top of his head, which makes him even taller. He walks in my house, and he sits on my couch, and we watch a little bit of a basketball game. And we get to talking. He says, Pastor Dave, let me ask you, man. Is there, is, there, is there something more to this life than just, just playing ball? The dude is going to play in the NBA. They're, it'd do a whole lot of Christian school kids good to learn that there's more to life than just ball. I said, yeah, there is. He says, well, Pastor Dave, what, what, what do you think, what do you think it's, it's supposed to be? I said, here's the thing, Jared. I said, God's given you a gift to play ball. There are kids who will listen to you. They won't listen to anybody else. I've walked in public schools with him before. You had Michael Red here. You, you understand. He walked into public schools and kids by the hundreds gather in the gymnasium just to listen to him talk. A dude can take a ball and throw it through a hoop. That's it. I walk in and they're like, who's this idiot? Don't amen that. Don't, what, what, what are you doing, huh? I said, yeah, there he is, Jared. I said, God's given you that gift and you ought to use it for God and for him. You ought to be completely different than every person in your locker room. He goes, you know, I'm already feeling like that. He goes, they all say they want to go out to eat. He goes, I don't go, I don't go with them because I know what they're going to do. So I'm left in the dorms by myself. What am I supposed to do? I said, you're supposed to call me when you get there. I'll come, I'll be your buddy. They have their own chef in this cook 24-7. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. And he doesn't serve up like White Castle sliders. He's serving up like salmon. I mean, it's not chicken nuggets, dude, okay? There's some quality to what he's eating. Why, why, is it, why is it that a guy who, who has unbelievably athletic talent, all this ability, why is it he can understand that he's supposed to be different, but we can't? Why can a kid who goes to a church camp six years in a row, never misses a week, why, why can we sit here and we can listen to the preaching and we have the best preachers and they tell the best stories. And they, they, they pour out their heart passionately. And why is it that we, look at me, why is it that we sit here and we don't understand that what's being said is actually supposed to change me. It's actually supposed to change. It's supposed to change us. It's supposed to make us different than everybody else. That's what a quality Christian life is about. It's about being different from everybody else around you. So that when everybody else is saying one thing with their living and with their life, you're saying something completely different. That's the point. That's the point. The point is, be different. It was 2004. 
And there were a series of elections in the Ukraine. There was the entrenched party and their leader named Viktor Yushchenko. And Yushchenko had run that government for however many years in this twisted sort of way. He had all the military might and the military power. And under his rule, the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. He was cruel to those people. I mean, he was hateful and mean. He had, he had all this military might. He had all this media pull. And these elections came and there was this, this one contestant who was said to be the people's president. I mean, and he, he campaigned. He had these elections. He didn't have near the money or near the pool and definitely not the military might that Yushchenko had. But he had, he had the support of the people behind him because he promised that he'd fix some things that were seriously wrong in their country. Going into election day, he had this favorable lead. The polls started ringing in all their votes. And about halfway through the day, the people's president was, was just leaps and bounds ahead of Yushchenko. And Yushchenko realized that he was about to lose his long-standing position. And if he did that, he knew that they would come after him for all sorts of war crimes and different atrocities that, that he, had, he had riddled onto the Yugoslavian people. And so, so what he did was, well, he cheated. He, be, he began to fabricate votes, votes that didn't exist. And, and he began to act like he was winning. And they sent his military might into the rooms where they counted the votes. And they were sure that Yushchenko was going to come out the winner. They staged this huge celebration party. No one was there, but they made it look like that there were just hundreds and thousands of people who turned out to this party in balloons and champagne and, I mean, all this, all the works to, to make it look like everything was, was fuzzy, was fuzzy dory in their, in their little society. And in fact, it wasn't. They were cheating. In Yugoslavia, they, 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 they have this, this, uh, this different way of, of interpreting for the deaf. They don't have closed caption that runs across the bottom of the screens like we do. Instead, they have an interpreter who signs everything that is being played on the show or on the news or on the sitcom. They sign everything that's being done. And there in the bottom of the screen is this little window where this interpreter signs. The interpreter that night was a 24-year-old girl who was witness to everything that Yushchenko was trying to do. The news anchor got on and he said, Yushchenko wins. Yushchenko wins. He, he 
he handily defeats the upcoming president. He, he defeats him badly. Yushinko wins. Our party wins. Yugoslava wins. And she is supposed to sign this. But she chooses, she chooses to do something very different. Instead of signing, Yushinko wins, Yushinko wins. She signed, they cheated. It's a lie, she continues. They fixed the votes. Tell Everyone you possibly can. Yushinko cheated. And with that, with that one brave act from a 24-year-old girl, the Orange Revolution broke out. Two weeks later, marched on the capital of Yugoslavia was, a more, was more than a million people wearing orange shirts demanding a recount of all the votes, but this time done right. This world... They blare one thing up on the big screen. If you want to be happy in this life, blend in. If you want to be happy in this life, forget the stuff that the Bible says. Live, do what you want. If you want to be happy in this life, you don't, you don't need, you don't need any of that quality stuff. Just, just, just get a lot of quantity. Just get as much as you possibly can in this life. Just get and collect and hoard and buy and covet. That's the message being blared on the screen. And down at the bottom of the screen is a little window. And you're the interpreter. I wonder... I wonder what you would say. I wonder, I wonder if you'd just sign along, just blend in with everybody else. I wonder if you'd sign right along. It's all about quantity. It's not about quality. I wonder if you'd blend in. It's not about the words of God. It's about, it's about your own wish and dreams and wants and ambitions and desires. I, I wonder if you'd sign right along with everybody else, or I wonder if you would be brave enough to sign something different. I wonder if you would be brave enough to say, I want quality in my life, not just quantity. I, I want a life that listens and believes and reads and loves the teachings of that master teacher. 
And I don't want to just read it. And I don't want to just hear it. I want, to, I, want it to actually, I want it to actually change me. I want to be taught. And I don't, I don't want to just be taught. I, I, want, to be, I want to be transformed. I want, I want to live a life that's different from everybody else. It's up to you. Do you want quality? Do you want quality? Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit WCBC.org. Da edu.